let me ask you. Let me move to um, this Bulls team right here. Uh, okay. Sixteen and twenty. Yeah. Uh, after another loss to the Heat. Uh, yeah. Bad one. Bad loss. <laughs> horrifically bad. What's? Let me ask you first though about the front office, man. Like what? What is that like now covering them having Arturis and Eversley yeah. in? Like how night and day is that for you? Um, it's it's huge because you have people all around the league telling you now it's a pro organization. Wow. Now it's a real organization. Now there has not been one person that I've talked to that's criticized Arturis. As a matter uh-huh. of fact, everyone I've talked to have praised the hiring. And I applaud Michael Reinsdorf for look the white the White Sox and, and Bulls, we both know at the end of the day, Boss Hog is Boss Hog. He's <laughs> running Hazard County. Yes, sir. But he's allowed the Bulls to be run differently. He's empowered Michael. And to Michael Reinsdorf's credit, um, he went out, went after the best guy, brought the best guy there, and has said, you're the basketball guy. I'm out of your way. Mm-hmm. And then so you have Arturis, who everyone he's hired has been applauded. Then he goes and gets a Billy Donovan. And so now, now you know you have the right front office. You have the right coaching staff in place, which you haven't had in the decade since you pushed Tom out the door or almost a decade. Mm-hmm. Now, but now you got to fix the main thing. You got to get the right pieces in place. Right. And it's not easy. It's not easy to do. This isn't Miami. This isn't Los Angeles. To me, those are the two easiest places to flip things quickly mm-hmm. because it's a destination place to play for. Whether the culture where everyone lives, you go right down the list. Those two places are working at an advantage that 28 teams in the NBA aren't. Brooklyn, is, I'm, ex- I'm, I'm anxious to see if this experiment works. Yeah. But let's face it. The dudes that decided to go to Brooklyn are some weird-ass dudes. <laughs> Great <laughs> basketball yeah. players, right. but there's some weird-ass dudes wearing those Nets uniforms. <laughs> so I'm anxious to see how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, Chicago is not Miami. Chicago is not Los Angeles. So mm-hmm. how are you going to do this? And how are you going to do it the right way? How are you going to do this to get it back to a championship level? That's, that's my big question with this group because they're the right guys to try and do it. They got the right coach in place to try and do it, but can they pull it off? And it's not easy. And I think that's a lot of the conflicts I have with some fan, some people in the fan base is I don't want them building back to mediocrity. Mm. Look, I get selfishly, the Sun-Times, myself, when the team is better and the team is playing on a bigger stage, that's better for me. That's me doing stuff that puts some more money in my pocket and feeds those kids. Those kids are hungry, man. I got to feed them. (laughs) So, you know, selfishly, as a media member, you always want that team to do well because it helps you and your profile. Um I don't want to build it back towards mediocrity. I don't need them becoming a number four seed every year and bowing out in the second, third round. Cause they can't get past some of these dogs on these teams. Mm-hmm. I need them building that dog team that could sustain and could, could do something for four or five years where every year you go in and, and you're saying, okay, it's going to be this team and it's going to be Chicago. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to see this thing built towards. And so that's why I have a problem with so many people that just have been beaten up by this front old front office and the old way of doing things that 
they just want to see mediocrity again because they're so used to a bad. Mm. And, and I'm trying to see big picture and build this thing the right way. I will say that for the first time, I think they have the right front office, the right coaching staff to do it. Now it's incumbent on them to figure out the right players to do it. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you, you mentioned the, the, the great athlete being the player that you want to get into the foxhole with and go to battle with. Are those type of players on the Bulls now with this roster? Are there to work with? A couple of them. And then the problem is, and I don't even know that because I, I haven't had a chance to be around Patrick Williams. His mm-hmm. makeup, from what I see from afar and from talking to people, until you actually sit and talk to these guys, just BS with them, and figure out what they're about. Um, they could talk a good game in these Zoom things that we do with them right. in the media and stuff like that. But the eye test is one thing. The numbers test is another thing. But just learning the man is the real thing. Mm. And so um, I knew right away, even though Jimmy was mostly sitting around that first year as a rookie, I knew right away there was something different about this cat. This mm. dude's got bigger aspirations than people realize Hmm. um and is willing if the organization isn't going to help him get there or he's just kind of an afterthought because they have Derek and Luol and Joakim and and the organization just sees him as a role player Mm -hmm. he sees himself as something bigger than that Hmm. I mean that was a hostile takeover and I love the way he did it um so because they wanted to put him in one corner and that was him putting that work in to make sure you ain't putting me in this corner that was an individual doing it his own. And so um, there might be a couple, but not enough. Um, you know, I'm not writing off Zach as that guy. I think Zach has that in him, but he needs that lead man in front of him. He could, he could fight criminals in Gotham, mm. but he's not Batman doing it. He mm. needs Batman to help guide him to where that needs to be. And I'm not saying, oh, he's West Coast, laid back. No, because I've seen I've seen those John Garlands and those type of dudes that I know are going to run the other way when, when shit hits the fan. Mm. Um, Zach's not that. And I think he slowly has transformed and kind of taken on more of a hardcore essence, but he's still not there yet. Yeah. Um, the, the one, the head scratcher is, is, I thought Wendell Carter coming out of Duke was going to be that kind of guy. I knew Chris Dunn was about that life and was that kind of guy. He just didn't have the necessary, the talent. Correct. To, but the makeup of him, mm-hmm. I thought I really liked. Bulldog. Yeah. Yes. Um, Wendell, I thought, and now I don't know because the, and the, and the thing to me that where I question the old regime, when you investigate these guys before you draft them, you have to talk to these guys. Wendell has been very open to the media that he mentally had problems back in high school with failure and not mm. overcoming it. If he's open with us about it, I'm probably sure that may have come out in an interview or a talk with him. That's a red flag to me. Mm. I mean, he was only at Duke one year and, and there was some mystery to that Duke team because I, if you recall about a, six weeks into the season, and Coach K never goes to a zone. Coach K always goes man-to-man, balls out, let's do it. Mm-hmm. That Duke team had to switch to a zone. So was it Wendell? Was it Bagley? Was it Grayson Allen? Who wasn't pulling their weight that you have to switch to a zone because you guys just don't want to man up? And so that was never fully investigated. We I asked Wendell about it one time, and he kind of put it on the guards more of. 
it was more on them and not he on Bagley. But now I don't know. I don't know who, who it was. And so that one's kind of, you know, Thad Young's about that life. I've got no questions about him. Garrett Temple, the, the intelligence, the way he conducts himself, the way he plays, love him. But again, the talent is only so much. The, the man is great. The man mm-hmm. is A+. Plus. Right. Um, so they have some dudes, but they don't have the dude that is that in the right spot. Mm, that makes that, sense. That lead man has to be that guy. And and I don't know if Zach is is that guy. He can be that guy with the lead man there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I, to answer your question, it's not they, – they've got some guys there. But it can't be, you know, thirty-some-year-old Thad Young. That's right. the guy. That's the guy eating nails. Thank you. That that can't be your guy. That's eating nails and and and, and shit and metal. It can't be. It's got to yeah. be that main guy that's got you know 27, 28 points. And when things get hard, it's not hard for him because he can reach down and say, yeah. "Put this on my shoulders. I'm gonna carry you to this point. But then I'm gonna empower you to also carry yourself to certain points." Yeah, Chris and I have said that a bunch of times that you you can't be that way. Like, if Thad Young is your second best player on your team, you got an issue. You got issues. Like, you got problems going on. But go yeah. ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. You know, I was, I was going to say it's interesting because um, I, I was always a Jack Levine fan because they've noticed I love, you know, of course, shooting guards who are athletic. And when I see that, my only, my only next question is, like, what is your mentality like? Work at it. Because I will buy into all your athleticism. But then, like, what comes behind that? And you see guys, you know, like a guy go to state who has all this athletic talent, but mentally he doesn't want to be that great. Wiggins. Wiggins, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw saw that in Zach. Just from hearing his interviews early on, I kind of felt like he wanted to be great. I'm so glad to see his uh, career progress. Kind of maybe slow, much much more slower than I thought. Right, right. But um, compare that, contrast that to Larry Marketing. you know, I don't. I haven't seen quite the growth. And you mentioned before about previous coach influencing his behavior, which is another issue of mine. Because to me, if you want to be great, that shouldn't matter too much. Because you're your own basketball player. You know, you know. I know. I know a bad coach affects your play, mm-hmm. but if you want to be great, that shouldn't matter. You know, I'm being great. Screw you, coach. Whatever. Do what. So I. So compare Levine's growth to Lloyd Marcus's growth, and what do okay. you see? Those Marcus selling versus Levine. Here's what I'll say. Zach Levine was touched by God with some of those talents he has. He understands that. And Zach Levine has a passion, I think, to become better. He hasn't always known how to become better. And whether that's coaching, whether that's the, the, the team, it's not his dad. His dad wants him to be the best. Mm-hmm. Whether it's teammates around him, whether it was in Minnesota or Chicago, you have all these young guys, no one really knew how to, you know, so I actually think Zach has a passion to be better, to be a great basketball player. Lowry was touched by God to be a seven-footer who could shoot. But I don't know if Lowry has the passion to be a great basketball player. Hmm. Sometimes you are put into a place, you know, like that. you see that big kid that was playing saxophone in his high school band and had a summer where he sprouted up where the, the basketball coach is like, hey, we got to get you out to the team. Mm-hmm. His passion is that saxophone, but his genetics put him on that basketball court, not mm-hmm. his passion. I'm not saying Lowry is that. Lowry would not rather be playing a saxophone. 
But there's times where I say, is he just a guy that is seven foot and likes basketball, but doesn't love basketball. Mm. That's my new fear with him is, am I seeing a guy who might not love it enough to do what it takes to become elite? Mm. Because a seven footer that could shoot like that showed in 2019, that February, 2019, that he can be better than Porzingis, that he could be a physical Euro instead of fit the stereotype of Euro Mm -hmm. that he's not, Doug McDermott in a, as a seven foot blonde body, right? Um, some decoy that's just on the outside. So if you've shown that, why can't you see what it did, see what the numbers did, see how it impacted winning, mm-hmm. grab that and say, this is what I want to be. Mm-hmm. The, the, the most logical explanation is I don't know where your passion is. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is your passion. You may love basketball and what it does for your family, but is it your passion? I mean, do, mm-hmm. are you willing to do whatever it takes for this game? And so I don't know if Lowry's at, um, we're all finding that out. And I think the bulls, if the bulls thought he was, they would have extended him. Yes. I think the bulls really wanted to see what he was this year. And now they want to see if they don't trade him, they want to see what the market thinks he is. Mm-hmm. If the market thinks he's, if that's too rich for their blood, they let him walk. If the market and everyone sees what the bulls see and feels like, eh, we think he's only worth this, this much in a year that the salary cap is going to be going down. Then the bulls say, all right, we'll let the market set him at a bargain and we'll steal him like they did that one year. Nikola Miritich went up unrestricted free agent and nobody wanted him. Nobody. Like, oh, all right, we'll come in. They actually overpaid. They all bid themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that's where they're at with, with marketing is they're just as much confused with his, trajectory as the fan base is yeah. otherwise if they saw something we didn't he would have been locked up hey, he's so interesting because like you know he may not be he may not be worth that much money with for the bulls but you know gms are crazy and for other teams right. that need an up-and-coming uh we could tap into him and get him to be where he wants to be that value goes up for them his value goes up for them. Maybe not right. for the Bulls, but for other teams. There's definitely a God complex that coaches and GMs have that, yeah, if my hand touches him, it'll be different. Or if I bring – like, you look at Dallas. I mean, you're telling me Lowry wouldn't want to play with Porzingis and Doncic, where he's kind of got that Euro feel, um, knows those guys really well, knows mm-hmm. that world stage that they've all been on, that Euro stage really well. Maybe he's a different guy. Maybe he fits in differently there. Look, Lowry, I'll say this. Lowry, he's married. He's got kids. He's, he's different than a lot of these other players. There is, yeah. you don't, I've never heard teammates say, uh, after the game, we're all going out to eat with Lowry. Mm. So mm. there might be something to say about that, that he maybe just doesn't feel comfortable. And some guys don't. Some guys are fine. They go, they, they play their ass off for the teammates. And while their teammates go out or go to the club or, you know, especially a young group like this Bulls group was before COVID and they could go out, they just go back to their hotel room and play their PlayStation like Lowry does. He bring, mm-hmm. brings his system on the road. He plays video games, um, shuts it down. He do, He's very low key. So maybe there's just not that comfort level that, yeah, I want to bust my ass for that guy because I really don't know that guy that well. We're, we don't have mm-hmm. a lot in common. So sometimes going to a different place, 
um, where the culture is different. There's more euros. There's euros that, you know, maybe that changes him. I don't know. The only person that can answer that is Lowry or if Dallas answers that, we'll find out. And you're right. And also being a number three option or four option. Because mm. like I, I always say this about Larry. I, 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 I think Larry wants to, he doesn't want to be the reason why you want. He wants to be a part of winning. That's he a doesn't good want point. to be the reason. Like, That's a great point. I mean, the number four, point. I think, especially like, you pay him like one of the best players in the world. Come on. <laughs> You're going to look good. You're going to be comfortable on the floor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's a great point. He might just want to be, forget Batman, forget Robin. You know, I'll be some some other cast off in the Justice League. Alfred. I'll have my, oh, yeah, I'll be Alfred. <laughs> I'll have my game and every so often. But I, yeah, I mean, that again, that might be his makeup. So um, I just, I, I'm, I, I think that there's, as we've seen the last two games, there's nights where the flaws and the essence of these guys really comes out and mm. really makes you rethink the way it can't be built like this. Mm. It can't be done. The, the right way is not with this group. Mm. Now, how do you get out of that? How do you, what pieces do you keep? Because you, some of these guys are going to have to be role players. And some mm. of these guys like, look, I think Kobe white has a lot of value in the NBA. Yeah. Just, not as my starting point guard. He's just not that guy. Mm-hmm. And he was never that guy. He wasn't in high school. He wasn't in Carolina. He wasn't on draft night when I said to Paxson, you guys are listening. This guy is a point guard. Why? And Pax looked at me like, shut up reporter. This is why, but he's never filled that. And look, I know it's a positionless NBA, but at some point when it's nut cutting time, especially in the postseason, you need that lead guy, that lead voice to organize the offense, get everyone to their spots and set up in a half court offense, which you see a lot in the postseason when things slow down and you, and you've had time to see a team over and over and over again, multiple nights, you have to be able to organize that team and you can't. And he's the most non-athletic athletic fast guy I've ever seen. He is just straight with no wiggle. No, eh, eh. I want to see yeah. that. Eh, eh. yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. it's just all whom, whom, whom. He finishes awkward at the rim. It's just, I want to see, eh, yeah. give me some, eh, that give me stank. that wiggle. Yes. Where I go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Give me that. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen any of that. It's just, that's great. If you're my, my outside receiver and I just want you running flies. Right. That's great. But I need you to <laughs> somebody. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and that's the other thing, but as a sixth man, seventh man coming in. And if he's hot, you ride him for 20, Six minutes. If he's not, you get him out after 20. Yeah. Perfect. But that can't be your number seven pick. Mm. That you didn't draft him to be that. So um, you know, the last two nights have been disappointing, not because they're losses, but the ex- the way they were exposed in certain places and the way certain guys have come up short. And the guys that have come up big are guys that aren't long-term solutions. So, mm. you know. Like you said, Thad Young can't be your second best player. He's got one more year left, and he's fifty six years old. Right. You know? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I mean, you you hitting every. It's funny, like listening because you're hitting everything on the head that Chris and I discuss literally right. all the time. And even with Kobe White, like we're like, yeah, we know he should be a six man. We get that, but I want a better point guard. I'm not putting him yeah. on the bench for Sadoransky. I'm just not doing that. Like right. You and have I know no choice, right? Right, exactly. What choice do I have? Like, I understand you need a facilitator, but I'm I'm not going to put 30 points on the bench for six, five, and four. 
Like, I'm just not going to do that. So I have no problem with him going out there still starting right there. But if you go get me a point guard, yeah, right to the bench is exactly where I would send him. Like, right. we, we all see that. And, and that's why I think a lot of people – look, there was this whole – you guys know how Twitter is. Mm-hmm. I, I actually went back and looked because sometimes you let Twitter rewrite your own narrative. <laughs> I went back and looked of why I was talking about trading Zach. And it, first of all, when I wrote it, Zach was not playing defense. He was starting to make an effort to, but Billy Donovan was really getting on him and his teammates were really getting on him. And people think they hold you to what you say two months ago as gospel. This is a fluid business. These guys are fluid in the way they change throughout a year, throughout a month, throughout a week. And so at that time, my, my mindset was how can they fix this thing? How can they get the right pieces in place? And there's something about Patrick Williams. I like, Mm. there's something about his makeup. I like, as we've talked about, um, he's got a lot to learn, but this is a guy who had no training camp, no summer league, no rookie camp. He went straight from being drafted to being dropped off in a city that he had never been to. And then starting and guarding LeBron and Kawhi within a week, you know, a couple of weeks. And for him not to blink, he hasn't been great, mm-hmm. but for him not to blink tells me something about him. Right. Then you look at the way he's built. Until you actually go to a game, and you know, I've been to, to the United Center a couple of times, but until you see this guy, TV doesn't do him justice. Mm. This is a man-ass body at 19 with scary potential of what you can build on it. And when he goes to the rim sometimes, people are moving. Mm. And not because they're getting out of the way, because he's moving them. So there's some things I see from him from afar that I'm like, whoa. No, I mean, he's like Michael Myers as far as his facial expressions. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You can't tell if he just killed a guy or if he's happy. You can't tell anything. Mm-hmm. So I like that. That's an important piece to have on a team. Mm-hmm. That wing that looks like he's a foxhole guy. To me, that's piece one. What Zach has become, I like it. But now how am I going to get from point A to a huge point B? How am mm-hmm. I going to get not to point middle A, where you're going towards, okay, let's build towards a fifth seed or sixth seed. How am I going to get to a championship level roster? Like I said, this isn't Miami. This isn't LA. There's not a quick flip. You're getting in our tourist that's coming from Denver, Mark Eversley, who's come from multiple organizations where it was all built through the draft. Mm -hmm. You're you're seeing some of the dynasty teams, Golden State built through the draft. You know, Denver did it through the draft. I mean, Utah, the way they're playing. And I don't, I don't think Utah's winning anything, but they're built through the draft. That's mostly how you have to do it. And what I see is a 21 draft and a 22 draft that excites me. This 21 draft, if you could get two pieces to it and they're lottery pieces, wow. Mm-hmm. Because, and I believe Arturis knows how to pick the right guys. I believe, I believe in him. Me too. So if you could give me two pieces, but I have to give up Zach to get one of those, I'm kind of tempted to do it because I just don't like the idea of maxing him with this collection of players and the timeline it's going to take for to get the right players to match him. Mm. And I really like Zach and I want to see Zach get a ring. And I don't think it's going to be in Chicago. Mm. I want to see Zach cause he deserves it with the work that he puts in mm-hmm. and, and, and see dub, like you brought up, it's not as quick as we all like it to be, but He's now a willing participant in this ride. I want to see him win, win that chip, but he can't be the lead man doing that. Right. And so my whole thing is, all right, how am I going to figure out this puzzle? It's not easy. 
And that's why I had such a problem with, with dudes are like, well, yeah, you said you want to trade all the depot. No. What I said is one dude asked me on Twitter, well, how can you get that? Because good teams that want Zach aren't going to give you a pick. That's a lottery pick. And I said, no, you're right. It's got to be a team that's kind of trapped in salary cap hell that doesn't have a choice but to go for, for a, a quick winning team and need a Zach Levine to do that but have early picks. And Houston was one of those teams because it's hard to find that at the time that I said that had that Oladipo, who is an expiring contract, who now that we've learned he wants more than 40 some million over two years, forget that. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the time you bring Oladipo, you get Houston's earliest pick, which the way they're playing was going to be an early pick. Now I got two picks that I could either get lucky with or mesh together and move up and get a Jalen Suggs or Cunningham, or a Mobley, someone that I could team with Patrick Williams and say, all right, these are my two pieces. Now I can make a decision on Zach. And now I could also go to the free agent um, or trade or a free agency and say, this is now what we have in place, which is a little better than what we had in place beforehand. So, I mean, that, that, that was my whole point is, and it's not going to be easy. I'm not saying it is, but it's to me, they need to, be creative in how they do this and do it the right way if they want to return to a championship-level team. And, and that's yeah. what Arturis said. They watched the last dance. He and Eversley both got excited about Chicago, what it could be as far as a basketball town. Not what it could be, what it should be, what the should fans be. should demand. Mm-hmm. And anything less than that, if it's sacrificing Zach and you think there's a better better route, which I think there is um, – then I think you got to do that. Now, if you could keep Zach at a, at a cost that you feel good with and still get the right pieces in place, I'm all for that. I just can't, I know what the salary cap's going to do the next couple of years. People have to realize the China money and the COVID money, what people think the NFL is a big deal that they cut their salary cap down from to 182.5. Mm-hmm. The NBA is, it's going to be, it's going to be bad. It's going to, it's, mm-hmm. and there's, and free agency is dried up. So now how are you going to do this? Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think they have to do it through the draft as much as Bulls fans are sick of hearing that. But that was the old regime's draft, which was right. safe, which was not trust these people, allow them to do it and give them the time and space to do it. And I think they will. And if that means sacrificing Zach, cause Zach wants 35 million a year and wants a, a max contract. He's not a max player. I don't care what anyone says. He's a max player for shitty teams. He's a max mm. player. Dumb teams make make those mistakes and and give Bradley Bill and Wall and Otto all that money that Washington did. And all of a sudden you're like, we invested more screwed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and so um, I don't want Chicago becoming that, investing max money in a guy who doesn't warrant max money mm. just because other teams are doing it. That's, that's interesting because, like, there's a lot of things you don't get. So, in my head, I'm, I'm always wondering, like, I know Arturis, Eversley, and Donovan, they spoke of wanting to build a team. And Donovan, of course, was hired because he, he said he had a lot of input as far as building right. the team. So, in my head, I'm like, is he saying that they're willing to take the long-term route, like through the draft and wait for years for these guys to come to the team? Because as fans, we're tired of waiting. So, right. so they're fresh. They're they're new in Chicago. 
in their heads, are they saying, I don't care if we wait or not, I wouldn't have years, just wait on it, and what happened? Or do they feel the fans of being mired in mediocrity, no, being mediocre, and wanting to see a winning team within a couple of years? So I'm, I don't know how to balance that, but I, I, I hear your, you know, I hear your attention, your voice when you, you know, we talk about it. I have that in my head too as well. Like, man, I want to. I understand trading Zach. There are other alternative moves you can make. Trading Zach, whatever. You sacrifice a lot to get something that can return long term. But man, I, I want to see it next two years. And I don't know what they could do. Do no, it. I don't think it's going to be two years. I, I mean, you look at the free agency. It's just not there. It's just not there. And you don't have enough trade pieces because your young guys that you thought were foundation pieces ain't those guys. Mm. So you don't have that, that those chips to go and splash the pot with. No one's, no one's, no one's beating on the door to get Wendell Carter Jr. Right now. His stock has gone down this year. Um, and, and look, there's always people that think they can fix. You only need one dumb GM. That's all you need. But at the same time, you know, the, some of these guys have been exposed where their value has gone down this year. So to me, there aren't a lot, your, your, your pathways have kind of been blocked by this roster where you, to me, the only way you can do this is to get as many draft to believe in this 21 class, which I believe in the 22 class, which I believe in to invest in that. And I think Arturis is willing to play the long game. And I think when they hired Billy Donovan for those amount of years, they're willing to play the long game right. because they want this done right. right. So is there a quick flip? Yeah. I mean, if, if the right team calls and, and it's, and it's a, I, I just don't see it. I'm not, maybe I'm not seeing the chessboard. I don't get, I don't know what calls they're getting. I don't know. You know what I mean? Our tourist is very, very good at locking stuff in that building. Mm-hmm. And they ain't, they ain't a whole lot leaking. Trust I like me. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so he's very good with that. But unfortunately, he's been given a hand by the old regime that you don't have a lot of plays with. These aren't cards, a lot of cards you could play. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to play it? You almost have to throw most of the hand back in. And so the nice thing is there is roster flexibility here as far as how, you know, you can, you know, auto's gone after this year. That sheds $28 million. Um, You know, Thad and, and Sato are gone after next year, um, 14 and 10. So there's flexibility, and that'd be Police great. Is. Yeah, there'd be, yeah, don't even bring me to history. <laughs> but, but, I mean, that's great that you have this flexibility, but if there's nobody out there to throw it at, don't throw dumb money at somebody just because you have the cap space now. Right. And, yeah. I, and I don't think they're going to do that. So, to me, the, the best way out of this pit is believing in that 21 draft, believing in that 22 draft, believing in Billy Donovan and a developmental staff that they've never – they brought in six guys to, yeah. for development. Yeah. They used to have one. Think about right. it. The old yeah. regime had one. Mm-hmm. They brought in six guys plus a coaching staff that's really good at developing and mm-hmm. motivating guys mm-hmm. and and trust in that. And, mm-hmm. you know, the fan base, this fan base is you – know, abuse is a, is a harsh word, but they were taken advantage of the last 15, 20 years. They were sold on that statue that's in the atrium. And – should be outside, by the way. Should be outside, yeah. Joe. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and unfortunately, they um, they went and put their asses in the seats mm-hmm. for all those years when it was a bad product. When you do that, you're not putting pressure on man on ownership to do anything. You're letting ownership say, "No, 
we, we can get away with being mediocre and, and going for it and pretend yeah. we're going for it. But we, but that, that group didn't know how to go for it. It just yeah. didn't. It was just obvious. They didn't know how to manage a coach. They didn't understand the relationship between coach and owners and in front office. They, they did, you know, the, the biggest, two biggest sins since I covered this team is the Thibodeau, what they did to Tom, the sabotage they did in his regime and the lying, not believing that Jimmy Butler was that guy that you can pay, make the alpha, make the face and believe in his ability to be a Pied Piper and recruit guys because this dude, people love Jimmy Butler. Not just NBA guys, dudes from I mean, his good friends are Mark Wahlberg. You know, I mean, people love his story. They love the, the guy. You know, he's training the offseason when Antonio Brown, he, he just, people flocked to him. You should have believed in that process, but they wanted their hands on the car keys. They didn't want Jimmy driving the car because then you empower a player. And Paxton and Gar don't like that. They wanted to be driving the car. They feared mm. a league that, that, players are as empowered as any sport in the, in the country. They didn't want to be that team. Shame on them for not empowering a guy like Jimmy Butler and saying, you did the work the right way. You're a two-way player, a top three two-way player, which is very unique in this league. You did it without our help. Here's your reward. X amount of money. And you're basically an assistant GM for us. Go get those Jimmy Butler guys that you think you could get. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I think they feel the same way. We we were not on board. I'm still still not on board of him. Jimmy Butler being number one player on the team. But what I didn't consider what argument is his is his relationships with other players. That's something maybe I was ignorant to. But you're right. You know, even though I'm, I didn't feel like he's number one player on the team, I'm pretty sure <laughs> if he could bring in other players to play with them. That's that that's being value to who well, was a player. I mean, that's a great point. And here's what I'll say about Jimmy Butler. Jimmy doesn't have the elite talent of the of that tier one, LeBron, Kawhi, Giannis, Curry. He's not that, but his mentality is he's tier one. And True. when you got a guy like that that impacts winning and will do whatever it takes, and and look, here's why here's why that whole locker room went south. Because Jimmy's going to sit down and have a man conversation with you and be real, and he was having that with boys. And mm. their feelings got hurt, and they got at butt hurt, and they went and cried about it. Mm. And then you had the Dwayne Wade element who didn't have a great relationship with Rondo. So when Jimmy and Dwayne kind of took that, you know, we're supposed to be three alphas, but only the two alphas are going to drive the bus over, over these young guys, Rondo went the other way and said, nah so that was a problem, but everything Jimmy has, Jimmy, look, when I went to Minnesota up to Minnesota and interviewed him in that playoff run, mm -hmm. when he finally got those, those bums to the playoffs, <laughs> he told me I'm not staying here. I even broke that news that this is a soft group that Jimmy can't play with. Mm -hmm. Okay. He knew the, yeah, it wasn't – people think it was a Wiggins thing. It wasn't so much Wiggins. He didn't think Wiggins should have gotten that, that money. Mm. And Jimmy wanted his money, but he knew Towns It w was, you know, a, a soft shit in the rain. I mean, as soon as the rain hits him, he's going to melt in the sewer. And mm. he just knows great talent, big shoulders, small man. Mm. That's just what he – that's what he knew Towns was. 
And so then when he went to Philadelphia, loved Embiid, loved him. And Embiid loved him, those mm-hmm. two. But you had the Ben Simmons element. Those two are telling Ben, Ben, get your outside game straight. You get it straight, you're unstoppable. But Simmons' mentality was, I'm unstoppable going to the rack and being this assist guy. I don't need that outside game. Mm. So he didn't want to work on his game where they thought he needed to work on it. Then you had to kind of divide there. Then, So Jimmy says, this isn't going to work. Then also he called Brett Brown nothing but a Fred Hoiberg to his face. So things didn't go well there. Wow. So, um, <laughs> Yo. But Jimmy needed to be in the right culture, the right place. Agreed. And what better place than Pat Riley, Spolstra, and that Miami mentality. You know, I, I went in that locker room last year when Jimmy, his first year there, and all those cats, Hero, all those dudes were just sitting around. You know, Jimmy and I were BSing. They were just sitting around waiting for Jimmy. They were all going to go to his pad, watch film of the game. He got like a sneak preview of someone, some Hollywood movie got sent to him. They were going to watch the film, hang out at his place. Those are the kind of young guys he wanted mm. in Chicago. That's the kind of culture he wanted to establish in Chicago. And unfortunately, his front office, which divided Rose, divided uh, Joakim, divided Thibodeau, they also divided Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And so they never let Jimmy be Jimmy and shame on them. And then he unfortunately went to two other places where it just wasn't going to work out. And so you, Jimmy needed to be in the right place, and Miami's culture is the perfect place for him. So, yes, I agree that people say, well, he's not he's – not, that number one tier guy. He's not Batman. No, but guess what? Jimmy's putting on that costume and acting like he's Batman. Whether he, and, and, and God bless him for that. Cause what he did in the finals last year, I think solidified him as this guy will leave it all out there and do whatever it takes for his teammates, for his organization and for himself to try and win that chip. It was no, no matter what I think, no, sorry, no matter what, how I think, go ahead, Dave, go ahead. Oh, no, finish that. Finish that. Please. No, no, no matter how I feel about Jimmy, Jimmy Butler, I wish when the kind of Junior Lloyd Martin had an attitude. <laughs> 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 he had to act like, like playing basketball and you want to score the ball. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So there you, go, there you go ahead. No, you're absolutely right. There's, there's never been a player that I can think of that's jumped more <laughs> hurdles that I've set up for him more than yeah. Jimmy Butler. Not it's one unreal. that I can think of. I'm like, yeah, he's good, but he can't average 20. Yeah, you know, he's good, but he can't, you know, be a, on the All-NBA team. Yeah, he's good, but he can't be an All-Star. Yeah, he's good, but he can't lead him to the playoffs. Yeah, he's good, but he can't lead him further in the playoffs. Yeah, he's right. good, but he can't take him to the finals. Yeah, but he can't ball out in the finals. Like, literally all these hurt, he just kept jumping over every single time. So I was just like, you know what? You got it, bro. <laughs> like, you got it, Jimmy. I ain't got nothing he's, to say to you, bro. He's checked every box and every obstacle. I, I mean, look, I don't know if he'll ever win a chip, but, I mean, think about it. He took that bum ass JV Minnesota team to the postseason. And those are bums. Those are those that's a JV mentality organization bums. Then he went to Philadelphia, walks into kind of a not a civil war, but it was not good between the right. two stars where you have a locker room divided and Kawhi shot, which I still don't know how it went in. Amazing. <laughs> because if Philadelphia wins that, they get a busted down Golden State team in the finals. Mm. And Jimmy might have that chip. And then who knows, you know, and then Miami last year, you run into LeBron and AD and look, you're Jimmy Butler and you did everything you could, but you're not LeBron. You're not AD. Yeah. The fact that you're he's not, not that, two games yeah. is amazing to me. Like, seriously. Yeah. Yeah, he's, 
Jimmy, Jimmy maxes out. I appreciate that in the athlete. I don't, yeah. I don't trust me. I don't hate Jimmy at all. Like they say, oh, every no. year, yeah. every year on this podcast, we'll put those hurdles. He can't do this. And every year, he'll prove us wrong. Mm-hmm. So my power to Jimmy. I appreciate that. That's why. That's why I kind of want to know. Like, I, 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 I want to get your take on like what is a good athlete. And clearly, you know, having a guy max out his potential and having that confidence is something that I, I definitely you appreciate. And I definitely appreciate. It. And it's something I hate when I see the opposite. Which is what I see in Chicago with some of these players, and not everyone's built that way. I get that, but like you're a pro, man. Like you know, well, Chris, like the first the first name that kind of comes to mind when you say stuff like that is Otto Porter Jr. He's like the first person I really think of. Like as John told me, like he thinks basketball is his fifth favorite thing. You know, like it's not what he wants to do, but he like you said, Joe. He's big. He's tall. He got all these tools. He's been blessed, but he don't. I don't see the love. You know, when he's out there playing, like, I see more I mean, love when he's drinking and kicking it. You're, I mean, you're a White Sox guy, so you know Adam Dunn was blessed by God to be able to hit a baseball Jesus. 500 feet. But Adam Dunn had no passion for baseball. Dude. It was just kind of something. You give him a rifle and some camouflage and a deer stand yeah. and a big old chew in his mouth, he's on cloud nine in heaven. Yep. You, put, you put him in there with bases loaded. Oh, hell, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> no, it's so true. It's so true. We saw it live and in person. And that's, as a fan, I mean, look, fans have become as knowledgeable at this point in, in the history of the fan base. We Fans are as knowledgeable as they've ever been because there's yeah. so much access to the numbers. There's so much accessibility. You, you're able to see every game. You're, you're able to experience everything. So fans are as smart as they've been. They're also sometimes as dangerous as they've been because just because you're the smartest guy at the water cooler at, at your, at your accounting job, doesn't mean you're the smartest guy in any room you go into. Yeah. But, um, but so we see it, you see it. And there's nothing more frustrating as a fan base to see a guy who has this unbelievable talent, this unbelievable touched by angels, however you want to phrase it and doesn't give a shit. Yeah. It just yeah. doesn't, it's just kind of, and you want to shake them and say, dude, you have an opportunity. I'm, I'm paying for, for a ticket to go and see you take advantage of this opportunity. I'm investing these hours in TV for you to, to, to feel what I feel as a fan and just, just a, a tenth of what I feel as a fan. And, and you could become something special and I'll love you for it, but you won't do it. And unfortunately you can't push a guy like that across the finish line. Yeah. You just can't. Yeah. Some guys, that's just who they are. And as a fan, that's probably the most frustrating thing is when you have that guy in your city where you see what he could become and he just won't do it. Yeah. like And, it's, and we, we have too many on the team right now. And that's what's kind of upsetting. Because even Wendell Carter Jr., like playing center, I don't – I have a thing, Joe, where I feel if you're six foot nine and playing center, you need to be special. Yep. And – like, because the names that pop into my head was Wes Unsell, even though he was six seven, but Wes Unsell, right, right. Dave Cowens, and Ben Wallace, and even Bam Adebayo. Uh, you know, Draymond Green, what he Dray- did when they go to that lineup of death. Yes, correct. It was correct. like no other yes. center because he was a matchup nightmare. It was like, yeah, yeah. It was a problem every time. It was but a that's problem. special. That's special. Yes. You know what yes. I'm saying? Yes. And that's what I don't see when I look at Wendell Carter Jr. I just see a guy. And- a guy who, who we're starting to see is engulfed by mm. bigger guys and is is frankly shrinking yeah yeah it's you know? upsetting 
And, and to the final point, I wanted to say, just to add to your point about uh, players bonding and getting together and talking, when I heard Billy Donovan speak a few days ago, when he was talking to Zach, and he said, I asked him, how many times do you discuss pick and rolls with Lowry? Yeah. Like, when do you guys go over that? And he was like, not really. <laughs> like, yeah. We don't really have those discussions. And I'm like, he's like, yeah, well, you're kind of going to have to do that. You know, you need to talk about him and get those things out there. That kind of plays to what you were just saying right there. Well, and that, and to me, that's a cultural thing, too, because yeah. that's the Bulls culture. They didn't they become look the Derrick Rose knee injury. Fractured Derrick's career, but it messed up this entire organization. Correct. Because they became so sensitive to minutes to they took. They didn't want guys in that gym working extra time. They were trying to get them in and out. They hired that Jen Swanson, who was Derek's rehab girl, and and she knew nothing about basketball training. She mm-hmm. knew about rehab. Mm-hmm. I don't need my guys learning Pilates. Mm-hmm. I want them spending extra time in the gym learning pick and roll, learning you know the little details. Maybe Lowry would rather a lob pass off pick and roll rather than a bounce pass. He's more comfortable. He's able to seam the ball differently if I, if I go chest pass. You know, just any little thing that's going to give you an edge in a game. Mm. And that was Jimmy's big beef is these guys would not watch film like he wanted them to. And, and, and it's got to be as soon as that game ends, because they'll download the film to you right away. Mm. Your ass better be on that airplane on your device watching film. Mm. That's what Jimmy wanted from this group. You have to eat, sleep, shit this thing. And, and there's no way around it. And, and in the off season, come with me to San Diego to this beach house where there's no phones allowed, no TV. And we're, you know, like Balboa waking up at five in the morning and running on the beach with Apollo. And that's all we're doing. And we're not, we're not, you know, out drinking. We're not on our devices. We're not PS4 in it. That's what Jimmy wanted. And unfortunately some of these, this organization wouldn't allow that because they were so scared of overuse, overwork too much. You know, Jimmy trained on his own. The Bulls weren't getting trainers for him. True. He created. That's why I say he created himself. They became so afraid and so fractured and so broken because of Derek's knee that they never recovered from that and put and, and kept the right culture in place for an organization to win. Hmm. And so, of course, Zach didn't understand that you should go. He came from Minnesota, which was a JV team, and he comes here where – they want you in bubble wrap all the time. They don't want you in the gym extra working on pick and roll and doing anything physical. You go get up shots. That's fine. But they don't want you working on your craft like you should have. Mm. So, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, it's unfortunate. That's why I think Billy Donovan was so surprised that these guys really didn't know how to become elite players and elite pros because that wasn't the culture here. Mm. They didn't know how to teach these guys to do that. So, mm. I appreciate the Rocky Three reference too, by the way, which is you know one of our favorite movies of oh, all time. Best, so. best one, Clubber <laughs> Lang. Clubber Club, Lang should have won. Clubber Lang should have won. And then fought Drago. That should have been the whole. That's, that's where the, the movie, movie. should have gone. Dude, I tell people all the time that was the villain for Rocky. That, we'll talk about Drago. Who else beat Rocky? He beat Rocky. I mean, knocked him out. Beat, and not just beat him, killed the old man. Thank then you. Beat him, and then told Adrian. Hey, woman. Come hey, on. woman. Hey, woman. I know he you ain't been with a taking, real man. He tried taking everything from Rock. Every single thing, yeah. man. And did it. And told and him. It. And then he did it. You yeah. know? And told, and then said, yeah, I'll reject your challenge because there ain't no challenge. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I'll beat him up some more. Yeah, let's do yeah. it again. I love Clever Lane. And then you had that's the whole good. the whole Thunder Lips thing at the beginning. I mean, oh, that's... Yeah. oh wait, oh, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, oh, and then the disrespect to Apollo before a fight. Yeah, <laughs> before the fight. Yeah, it's that like was... disrespecting Ali. He was like, you know, get, get out my face. I understood they had to come back with the Cold War thing and make it the Russian yeah. thing yeah. and stuff. Yeah, but, but, but dude, that was he. He came in your house and rented out your kitchen. That's <laughs> yeah, what Clover yeah. Lane did. <laughs> <laughs> Drago killed your boy. I get it. He killed Apollo and stuff yeah. like that. And, you know, yeah, he was yeah, a robot. Yeah. Right. It was good. It was good, but. But, dude, Rocky went 12 rounds with that dude in his own house and mm-hmm. then gave a State of the Union speech. Yeah, yeah. And then like, all the stop. Russians loved him. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? Get out of here. No, Club of Lane. Yeah. All day. Oh, <laughs> all right. So, before I get out of here, we, we got to talk about this since you're here. We got to get into it. You and uh, my our guy, Mark K. Um, I. I had no idea where it started <laughs> between y'all. I, I, I had no I idea. St- I don't know how it started how either. How long it's been going, and but there's obviously a fracture there. And Mark is our guy, and you are now our, our guy too. So I just want to well, know, like, what's what's going on, Joe? Like, what's well, hey, I mean, hey, look, I, I mean, I kind of covered this earlier. Okay, I don't know. I when when I heard him talk because I saw the thing on there, I didn't even know he's. I'm like, I must have passed the segment up, and they got some British guy on. Yeah, I was in like. Australian like, joke. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Prison colony, whatever it is. Oh! So I'm like, I didn't even know this dude was not from America. I'm like, oh, it's a foreign dude. And so then then he brings up, okay, and you asked him, and credit to you. What well, he's like, first it's personal. I'm not gonna do an Australian accent. I can't do it. It's personal because he criticized some of my friends. Don't know what friends you're talking about. My some of my friends in the business. And B, where are they at? Tell them to call me. You got to fight their battles? Come on, bro. Who? I mean, how cowardly are they that they can't be like, hey, man, email me and say, hey, I don't think this is fair how you handled this. And, what? and I'll tell them, hey, yeah, I was out of line. I apologize. Or, hey, this is why I did it. Shouldn't that be how it's handled? But okay. So he, he wants to play hero and pick up their badge and stuff like that. But my main point is this. When I didn't like the way dudes were doing their job. Okay. I didn't criticize them from afar. I, I went and took their spot. I'm a fighting champion. If you think you can do this job better, or there's other young dudes that think they can do it better. Come and take my spot, put the work in, do it the right way. Bust your ass. If you got the talent, because I guarantee you'll be cheaper than me. The sun times would be like, Hey, Joe, it was a great run. We're all we're all replaceable. You got to go. This dude, this dude is hungry, and this dude he can do it. I mean, and so if there's all these young dudes that I offended or I offended him some way, criticizing me on Twitter, well, that's chicken shit, and it just is. Um, come and take my spot. Show you're better than me. And then the idea, oh, he doesn't know basketball. Okay. You guys have Will Purdue on your show, right? Yeah, yeah. Kendall, Kendall mm-hmm. Gill, yeah. Jason Goff, yeah. uh, Tony nice. Gill. Mm-hmm. Ask those guys if Joe Colley knows basketball. I've played basketball with this dude because I tell you what, if the Bulls ever play an exhibition game in Australia, now that I know he's there, I guarantee I would go down there as a 52-year-old man with one foot in the grave who beat cancer twice and drop 25 on that dude's ass, and he won't even – without a sweat, without a sweat, and then he's got to go home with his pet dingo and explain to his family 
that, yeah, I, I thought this dude had no game and, and doesn't know basketball, and he just dropped 25 on me. I don't know what happened. And those are facts. I played ball with a lot of those guys. Ask Kendall about the alley-oop I threw to him when Randy Brown was over committing and I gave him the eyes. Let's do it, Kendall. Let's do it. Illini days. Uh. <laughs> Ask Eugene from the bigs. You set pick and roll on me. And if you if you don't blitz me, I'm hitting from 30 or I'm pocket passing you if you roll. Mm. So for the idea, you don't know for you to judge and say, well, because of your takes, you don't know basketball. I have plenty of takes out there that are crazy and outrageous and the mood I'm in that night. But I mean, don't judge me on it because I will drop 25 on you and not blink twice. So that clears up that I don't know basketball stuff. Mm -hmm. And, but the main thing is if, if you and the little Scooby gang of your friends don't like the way I do this job, and I understand he's, I didn't know at the time he's from another country, belts on the line, come and take it. It's right here. Come and take it. And I'll ride off into the pasture and say, yeah, dude, dude did a better job than me. They liked his shit. They hired him. God bless him. He carries that torch. Now I'm going to go here coach my kids, sell one of my properties I'm good. So, I mean, that, that's my whole thing is I don't know you that way. I don't confront guys that way. Like I told you in the, in, in the past, if it's a new a guy I knew I was going to see either privately, I mean, Darnell, Darnell was there when uh, Dave McMinigan from ESPN, he tweeted something out I didn't like, and I waited for the room to be as empty as it could be the media room, but I went at him mm. and I said, Hey, and it got to the point Darnell ended up coming back in. But I was to the point where, you know, Dave, I'm not going to say we're not going to go back and forth like this. There's all kind of nooks and crannies in the United Center where we could go and figure this out. Mm. And and I mean, that's just the way if you can't talk about it, things just got to be handled a certain way. And that's just what I'm about. But I understand maybe some of it's generational, but you're trying to take shortcuts at my expense. You're trying to put yourself on a platform at my expense. He may know analytics. He may know all this stuff, but he's not sitting down for the hours and hours and hours and talking ball with people and just getting just a, the accessibility that I have. And for you to, to gloss that over is I don't know what I'm talking about. That's disrespectful. And I take that as disrespectful and there's ways to handle things disrespectfully. So, you know, he'll take a tweet from a month ago, the Oladipo thing and make that my fact. And that's my narrative. No, I mean, you can, Look at the context of what I was saying. Don't be, don't be disingenuous with, with what that tweet was. And so I gave him his 15 minutes, his 15 minutes. He could enjoy it. Um, but you, you're not coming at me from a place of how you should handle your business. So I can't really respect you anymore. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of done with you. That's why he's a stand. I don't follow him. I don't know anything he's written. I, the first time I knew anything about him was from some tweets, but I get a lot of tweets like that. But then when I saw he was on your, your podcast and that we were going to talk about that, I'm like, Oh, this means a lot to this dude that, you know, I mean, he's obsessed with me. I don't know anything. He might be a great writer and really know his basketball. He does. I, and I would never, but did I ever discredit that? Mm. Did I ever go at him? He threw sand at me. And you throw sand at me, I'm going to get up. Mm. I'm, I'm laying, relaxing on the beach, but you kick sand at me. Now I'm going to get up. Now, how are you going to respond? Mm. And we're seeing how he responds. There's, there's two ways to respond. Be a sniper and stay in Australia 
and do do what you do, that's fine. Or come and take the belt. Mm. Come and take the belt, bro. That's it. It's pretty simple. Belt's on the line. Come and take it. So one one Australia. So yeah, I mean, and again, I just don't like the fact that he's like pretending, you know, he's picking up the shield and defending his friends. Well, what what kind of friends are, of those are yours where they can't defend themselves? Tell them man up and come in to, and talk to me. I mean, are, are they in the United States? Where are they? Are they? What what, what island are they on? I I mean, I'm always open to talk to dudes mm-hmm. at the United Center at whatever. If someone has a problem with me, email me, text me. I may have said something that I shouldn't have said. And I'll be like, Hey man, I, I shouldn't have said that. I understand you're a young dude trying to make, make it in this profession. I was wrong. I apologize, mm. but we're past that with him now because now he took it to a different level, mm. but he's that he he's, he's just going to keep doing what he does because he doesn't know how to finish it. Like it should be finished. Mm. He doesn't have that makeup, that build to do that, that I know of him. Mm. So the, the word I keep hearing out from both you guys is, is disrespect. Like both you all feel disrespecting it. I never went at the dude till he came at me. Yeah. You know, and on your show, you asked him, well, mm-hmm. what's your big thing? Well, I personally, he brought up number one thing he said, wasn't he said, he later on said, I don't think he knows what he's doing or he does a disservice to bulls fans, whatever. And that's fine. He's allowed to have that opinion. Okay. But the first thing he said was it was personal because he, said some things about some friends of mine or that are in the business. Well, tell them to come and clean it up. Why are you fighting their battles? And the reason he's fighting the battles is because he's over in Australia and he knows that as much as I travel around, I'm not going to see him. Cause at some, at some point, if he was someone I'd see, he'd have to answer to it man to man. So. Man, can I, you know, Joe, you don't know what's about me, but I'm about love. Hey. <laughs> peace all the time so i'm always trying to get everything together and, and be like hey come on guys we can all be friends under bulls nation and things like that and that's kind of what i want like i hear both because i really like both of y'all man and i respect both of y'all a lot but i just wanted to i don't want to get to a point no i hear you know what you know, you know just constant I, disrespect i just want it to be some healing in bulls nation you know what i mean i respect what you're saying but sometimes it's okay to have friends that just don't like each other fair no completely right you know what i mean <laughs> you're completely right and yeah. you know what and there might and actually if i if this dude actually because there's been a lot of guys that have prejudged me until they got to know me or they actually even said to me in this business wow i thought you were this way because of this or someone told me this and something there's this misconception but i think if you have some of these young dudes on the show you said you're gonna have jason golf on yeah He's I love on the Jason. list. Jason I is amazing, Jason. dog. Like seriously, like the, he he gonna get a full brunt of this love when he comes on our show. His, finally, his tan and and <laughs> I, and and I there's some. I remember Dan Bernstein brought him and this other dude to a to a place we used to play three on three basketball. And I think Bernstein was trying to show, look, I got black friends. But okay, whatever. But, we <laughs> but, but I, I met Jason. He was a young dude, and and. I, there's just something I just generally just liked about him right away. And, and then uh, became closer with him. And then he invited me to play on a summer league team with him. And I met some of his boys and it was, and that summer league team, man. Oh, that was a fun team. Mm. Jason, you know, Jason talks about my temper. That dude got more teas than anyone in that. So I threw a punch and got thrown out of a game. I'll wear that. But that dude was getting teed up every week. <laughs> and we had a good team we made it to the finals and then the team we played in the finals we had 
played them a couple times earlier in the year. Yeah. They brought some team to like from DePaul. I'm like, well, <laughs> these guys weren't on the roster and they beat us, but that was a fun summer. And, uh, but I've, I've, Jason's he's one of the best in the business, man. And has never really gotten, agree. has never gotten his just due of how good he is. And so, um, but again, I mean, uh, another young dude that if you're working hard and busting your ass, I, you know, he thinks like the, I, I heard the thing that he doesn't understand podcasts or blogging. And, no, that's not true. What I don't respect and understand are dicks. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. <laughs> you can have a blog, you can have a podcast, but if you're a dick, I'm going to have a problem with it. And so, um, you know, so I don't know what exactly the specifics of how personally I hurt him or his friends or whoever's in his little Scooby gang. Like I said, I don't know. I don't know what he's talking about, but he came at me. So he wanted a shot at the title, but he doesn't know how to come and get the title. That's the big thing. So I got, I got no respect for that, but I'll, I'll say his name and give him his 15 minutes of fame. Cause you know, I'll do that. I'm not going to just say, Oh, I'm going to just ignore this kid and blah, 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 blah. I don't, that's not how I work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he might be a great guest for you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's outstanding. You, I mean, you got a show to do. would never tell you who your guest should be. But I, we, he and I, the makeup be. of him, we don't have anything in common. I'm, okay. a, I'm, a, I'm, a, different, I'm a different fabric than he is. No, I, I respect that. So, um, and the other thing is, if things were different, maybe he and I would really like each other. Yeah. I don't know that. I don't, I don't really, like I said, I didn't even know the dude had an accent until I heard him speak. <laughs> so maybe things would be different. But the way he's come at me, the way he's handled his business, that's not the way I was raised. That's not the way I handle my business. So. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you, man. All right. Let me end this on something uh, positive. Tell me your best C. Red Fred feelings. <laughs> you, know, you know what? I, I, I like, you know, I didn't really like, um, there was an, a disengagement I had with people in Bulls Nation on Twitter for years because mm-hmm. I was pretty sour about Twitter. Yeah. I'm glad I've gotten back into it because I think I've got to know guys like yourself and, and see the different podcasts. I did a podcast last week with buzz and, and the unscripted. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I, I like those guys yeah. and there's a, and, and all you guys that are doing this and try to get the opinions and information out. And you know, I, res- I respect all of it. It doesn't mean I'm going to agree with everybody's opinion and we're not supposed to, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's, it's just sports opinions. Mm-hmm. And when we start judging a human being and what the essence of what he is because of his sports opinions, then we've kind of strayed from really what this is. It's important in all of our lives and it means something in all of our lives. I get it, but there's room in this, this room in this, on this boat for all of us. You know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, I, I, I like, I like debate as long as a guy wants to debate and have his opinions and have, make his points. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all you guys, you know, you're doing, you're doing your thing, you, you're expressing your passion. And I think it's great. I think we're in a time in, in the sports world and the sports media where things are done differently. I understand that. Um, and I, I applaud all of it. Everybody's just trying to give their little piece to this puzzle. And it all comes back from the same place, man. We love this. We love yeah. it. It's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's the barbershop. It's yeah. the sitting around with your boys yeah. for hours, debating the dumbest sports debates that you could come up with. Yeah. And, 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 but the essence of it is all, we love it. And it means something to us. 
And um, so I, I don't, you know, if, I don't agree with everybody's opinion and I'm going to say stuff, but to me, it doesn't come from a place of, of hate Correct. until you make it that place until you decide to make it that place. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not coming from that place, but once you do, it's what it is. It is what it is, bro. Yeah. So. I'll, I'll say this about you, man. Like what I've always liked about you is whether it's right or it's wrong, you stand on it. And I appreciate people like that, you know, cause I'm, we don't, I'm not looking for perfect. You know what right. I mean? Like I'm oh, just looking yeah. for, I'm I'm just looking for straight. Yeah. I'm looking for straight yeah. up. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like just yeah. straight up, beyond, be yourself, and be straight up. And whether you've been right or whether you've been wrong, like you've always stood on it. And I respect that about you, and I always have, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. it. I yeah. mean, you got to know what hills to to die on and what hills. To, you know, time for me to walk off this hill. I was wrong, and yeah. you know. But but the one thing I, the one thing I'll say is, I know people don't always like how I cover their team. But I, I, I honestly have tried covering these teams and being that checks and balances for the fan that can't ask these tough questions. Mm, mm. And I know some fans, they don't want to know the muck. They don't want me in that alley at the dumpster getting information that might hurt their team or hurt the product. I get it. Some people just don't want that side of sports. But my job as a media member is to hold the team accountable. It's a billion dollar business until they do this thing and make parking and tickets for free. There has to be checks and balances. There has to be accountability. And that's, that's all I've tried doing when I come to Chicago is try and hold people accountable for a fan base that has deserved more. And that's one thing I'll say about Chicago. I wish the fan base was more like Boston or Philadelphia where they demanded and expected more and held the thing to a higher standard. I, I, I don't, I don't want them accepting mediocrity because mm-hmm. the city and this fan base deserves more. That's mm-hmm. it. I hear, Chicago, I hear Chicago Bears right there in the back of that voice. I heard, that, <laughs> I heard some Bears. Don't that that to me is the most unwatchable, ab- abusive product in Agreed. this city since I've been here Agreed. where just doesn't give a shit about any of the fans. I don't care. From the top to bottom. <laughs> you and, showing up. You know. <laughs> they don't care. Exactly. It's the NFL. You'll show up. Mm-hmm. They don't care. So, they don't care at all. God, we have been joined by Joe Cowley, sports writer for the Sun-Times. Joe, your Twitter handle is Cowley Hoops. Do I have that correct? Yeah, don't follow it. It's annoying. <laughs> right. I disagree with him, <laughs> but that's how he speak. But you can follow us at Ball Sports and at Ball Sports One. Check out our podcast. If you got a freaking microwave, uh, Spotify, we're, we're on that. You know, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can check us out, man. Chris? Yeah, man, we are uh, podcast on your, your refrigerator. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, man, so uh, check us out at ballsports.com, B-A-W-L-sports.com. Also, we, now on, we are now on YouTube. Uh, so this hashtag, B-A-W-L, on YouTube will come up. You know, you'll see a couple of podcasts on there, and also you'll see, check out Dave and the, the Bulls Outcast crew hey. doing post-game. I think Bulls game. Sometimes they're happy, sometimes they're sad, sometimes you just got a dent. We honest. Whatever, whatever you say about the Bulls game, the outcast will, you know, I'm there to that. Yeah. And Joe, you don't know this, but the name of our show is called Bow. And the reason it's called that is because of Avery Johnson, because it's the homage to him and how he speaks. So you have to say it like Avery Johnson says it. That's that's how we got our name right there. I got I like it. I like yes, it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> On behalf of Joe Cowley for joining us, man. That's my man Chris, aka C Dub. I'm Big Dave. 
We'll see y'all next time, bro. Y'all be cool. Y'all be peace. Y'all be blessed. We out. Bow. Peace. Oh.